Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow is a globally recognized expert in nutrition and intermittent fasting, highly sought after speaker, CEO, and founder of Everyday Wellness Project. She's a nurse practitioner for 20 plus years, is a two times TEDx speaker. Her second talk on intermittent fasting has been viewed nearly six million times. She's been featured on ABC, Fox 5, KTLA, CW, and in Medium and Entrepreneur. She's also the host of Everyday Wellness Podcast, which was listed as 20 podcasts that will grow, that will help you grow in 2020 by Entrepreneur Magazine. So what does mindset have to do with the choices you make, how you interpret experiences, and what you do with the lessons you learn? Well, just about everything. My next guest and friend, Cynthia Thurlow, is going to share how we can squash limiting beliefs. We're going to be talking about how we identify, interpret, and turn around limiting beliefs, and so much more. You're going to love this conversation. Here's Cynthia. Okay, everybody, you are going to so love this topic because I have my friend Cynthia Thurlow with us, and we're going to be talking about squashing limiting beliefs and how mindset is everything. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Mindset is so huge. I I don't know if there's a topic where mindset isn't important. Mm -hmm. It just seems to affect anything, everything and everything. But where did you, let's go back to, I just want to, if it's okay, just to go back in time just a bit, what, what threw off your mindset or what created a set of limiting beliefs for you that you later knew you needed to or wanted to undo? Where did that all start? Um, you know, gosh, I think as a child, you know, I was a, a latch, I was one of the first latchkey kids, you know, child of the 70s and the 80s. And my parents got divorced when I was in second grade. And so I instantly realized I was part of a club I didn't want to be part of. I mean, what, what, no, no child wants their parents to get divorced. And so, you know, I had to kind of set about putting things in place so that I could navigate, you know, recognizing as a, as a seven-year-old child, you know, your friends aren't in a position where they can talk about, <laughs> talk about what you're going through. So my parents had me in therapy to talk about all these things. And um, I, I have parents who, uh, who did the best they could. Uh, I have an alcoholic father who was a fully functioning alcoholic. I like to say that he always had a job and always helped pay the bills. And for that, I'm very grateful and certainly instilled some, some good things in me. I had a mom who, single mom, really hard to do. Um, but my parents are pretty difficult people. And so I learned at a very young age that I had to, I, was, I always call it free roaming childhood. And I was a good kid. I got good grades. But I realized pretty early on that I had to kind of create a safe environment for me to be in. Safe environment meaning uh, I spent a lot of time by myself, even though I had a younger sibling. We were four and a half years apart. Uh, but a lot of, it was hard to talk to people about what I was experiencing. And, and certainly my grandmothers and my aunts, you know, really kind of stepped in and provided, you know, the structure that, that I definitely needed uh, under those circumstances. But I think when it comes to limiting beliefs, you know, stemming from that is that because I didn't grow up in an ideal circumstance, you know, dealing with abuse, dealing with, you know, alcoholism um, and, you know, a lot of verbal abuse, I, I think you, you either, you're either going to do one of two things. You're either going to rally and you're going to develop, you know, healthy coping mechanisms to exist in that environment, or you're going to end up the opposite direction. And so from a very young age, I knew that I would move away from where I grew up. I knew that I was very specific about you know, what types of goals I had for myself and, and doing all the things to kind of set myself in motion. So 
when it comes to, you know, limiting beliefs, if I were to listen to what the things that my father said to me, um, that would definitely have kind of fueled that development. And, and I, I always say I'm feisty and that's my nature in general. Someone tells me I can't do something. And I mean this in a healthy way. Someone tells me I can't do something. I'm sure as heck going to do it. And I'm going to do it really well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think from a, some, a very young age, I kind of developed mechanism coping skills and in healthy ways that developed me into the person that I am today. And so I'm happy to say I, <laughs> many ways, um, you know, worked beyond what, what was, you know, what I was told was the way that I was going to end up, you know, because I was my mother's kid, I was going to end up one way. Uh, or my father's child. And and so I just didn't play into that at all. Right. Which is so amazing because there's, we're so influenced, especially around that age. What did you, what meaning did you make out of it back then? Like what, you know, what did you take from, it? because it's so easy to say, um, you know, I, I'm not going to do this or I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. be different or whatever. But at the time, did you, was there something where you said, no, this doesn't feel, this, this doesn't feel true. This doesn't mm -hmm. feel right. Yeah, what, what did I mean, you experience? Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, I always had really good girlfriends, even at a young age, and I think that combined with my both my grandmothers, who played a huge role in my life. I I I truly think that when I reflect back on all that, I don't even think I knew what I was doing. Meaning, I don't think I was I was entirely aware that I was trying to create coping mechanisms and resiliency skills that would you know guide me throughout my lifetime i just i always said like i always was ready to take a leap and so going away to college making sure i didn't stay in the state of new jersey and no offense to any of my good friends that are mm -hmm. still there uh but for me for me to be healthy i needed to do some things that were different and so that's kind of the path that i set in motion i didn't do what was expected of me yes i was expected to go to college i was not expected to go away to college and so um, I, I made very calculated decisions that at the time I didn't 100% understand why I did them, but I wanted a completely different environment than where I grew up. And so that meant I had to get away um, and just, you know, really, you know, the concept of reinventing yourself. I didn't do the things that everyone expected me to do per se, but I did things that I think were sometimes a little harder. I think sometimes it's easy for us to fall into patterns because it's less effort and so I don't have problems, you know, take, I would call usually refer to as taking a left turn, you know, and I'll give you an example. Um, I was pre-law as an undergrad and had told everyone all the way along, I'm going to law school, I'm going to law school. Well, I took my LSATs and I had my sights on two universities. I was going there. There's no question. I had the grades. I did not get the LSAT scores that would have gotten that. I, I did get into some good law schools, but not, not the ones I wanted to. And it caused me to pause and by pausing, it was actually really advantageous because it gave me an opportunity to consider other options. And so I would have loved going to law school, but it was you know, obviously a huge financial investment even back then. Uh, decided to go work for a Fortune 500 company and then ended up taking pre-med classes. And, and that's the direction I was supposed to go in. So were my parents stunned when I went back to school to take pre-med classes? Yes. Were my friends stunned? Yes. Um, but I ended up exactly where I was meant to be. So I think you know, for anyone that's listening, uh, we have to give ourselves the freedom to make decisions that perhaps don't seem that they're, you know, necessarily 100% right. I always say if I had a crystal ball, I would have known I was heading exactly the direction I was meant to be in. But by the same token, I think because I didn't limit myself in terms of thinking about where I could be, I didn't know I'd be a good nurse. I didn't know I'd be a great NP. But it was absolutely positively a better, you know, occupational choice, more aligned. I'm very heart centered, and I always say 
it, for someone who doesn't like to argue, I'm not sure why I wanted to go to law school. So I ended up exactly where I was meant to be and, and could not have made a better choice. You know, it's so, I'm so glad you said that because it happens so often where we're sort of placed on this one path mm -hmm. and it's based on a whole lot of shoulds. Like I should do mm -hmm. this. I should do that. This is expected of me. This is just mm -hmm. what, you know, everybody says I should be doing or whatever, you know, and I had a very similar thing. I, I had a, a double major in TV production, broadcast journalism. Wow. I mean, that, that was my path. And, and it's amazing. It's when we're, when we're heart centered and, and just really uh, looking to help people. I remember what made the difference for me was I was just sitting in edit rooms till four in the morning. It wasn't fulfilling at all. And then there was one project where I was actually helping people. And I said, mm -hmm. Oh wait, there's something really great about that. Mm -hmm. And when we're, um, when we let go of that fear enough to say, what would happen if, if I, if I make that left turn, like you said, and know with me, I had 10 years worth of college loans to pay back. Yeah. But that was the beginning of just, mm -hmm. yeah, totally different path. And it's following that, following that intuition. You know, you brought something else up too. I remember Tony Robbins telling a story about, mm -hmm. um, everybody knows who listens. I botch up every story, but this is the general idea <laughs> that there was this, this dad and he was in jail and he did all these bad things. And he had two kids. And one kid was incredibly successful, mm -hmm. you know, great family, great business, great life altogether. Mm -hmm. And the other one turned out just like him, really just mm -hmm. like the dad. And Tony asked uh, the one that, you know, that was in jail and really went down that bad path. And he said, well, what, you know, look at my dad, what choice did I have? You know, mm -hmm. and, he, and he looked at the other and he said, well, you're doing so beautifully. You're doing so well. What an amazing life. What, why? And he said, well, look at my dad. What choice did I have? Right. Exactly. Right. And exactly. that's what you're speaking to where you can live into it. Or, you know, in my own situation growing up, I, I kind of looked at it like, just imagine I'm dyslexic, where mm -hmm. I know how to regurgitate what I learned. But if I'm going to make this change, and this is what you said about how it's harder, you almost have to unjumble what you yes. learned in order to come out with something different. Yeah. So, so I love that you did that. So then it, it put you on this different path. And then how did you see all of these uh, skills that you learned? Like, how did you see that play out? How did they, how did they help you? How did it support you? Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably not until I was in my twenties that I really acknowledged, uh, because peers would say to me, like, you're just unusual in the way that you set your mind to something and you make it happen and you don't make excuses. You just do, you just do the hard work. I spent most of my twenties. This is a super <laughs> exciting topic. Most of my twenties as a student, so when I tell you by the time I finished my nurse practitioner program, I was exhausted from being a student, but I love to learn. Um, and I, I'm oftentimes just awed by the amount of the kinds of people that I had the opportunity to work with and work around and, and students. But I, I truly feel like it's this internal locus of control. I feel like I have control over me. I may not have control over a lot of other things, but I am steering the ship. So I, I never made excuses for what I was doing. I would always say, I just need to do this better next time. And I'm not a perfectionist, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, when I reflect back, I, I think it was the faith that I had in myself because I had, again, the close girlfriends and a very ma matriarchal family that um, supported me, loved me, encouraged me, were my biggest cheerleaders. And I think that made a lot of difference. You know, when my dad was saying, really uh, hurtful, uh, horrible things. I would just tune in and after a while, I just, it was almost like, it was almost like I was tone deaf to what he said. And I said, you know, my gosh, if I ever 
were to have listened to what you had said to me, if I really had taken it to heart, and, and some people do, and, and so I want to be really clear, I'm just feisty. So in my mind, I was like, you're telling me I can't do something, and I'm going to prove that I can. Mm. And so I, I, I do believe that it helped me have the confidence and the courage and the strength and fortitude because I, I haven't made always, I haven't always made the easiest choices. And case in point is that I worked as an NP for 16 years, became disillusioned of probably 10 years before then, but I had children at home. And so I wasn't, I didn't have the energetic capacity, the emotional capacity to do something new. But four years ago, I did take a leap of faith. Again, another left turn, became an entrepreneur. And now it's clearer to me than ever that um, you know, that desire to learn, that desire to persevere, that desire to challenge myself, all those resiliency skills all stem from the way that I grew up. And, and much to your point about that story that you shared, I always remind people, you know, Father's Day for me is always hard in the sense that um, I don't feel a tremendous affinity for my father. I am respectful. Uh, he gets a birthday card. He gets acknowledged on the holidays. I do speak with him. We do have a pleasant relationship. But Father's Day for me is, is challenging, but it also, for me in many ways, provided me with a blueprint of what not to look for when I got married, what not to desire in a partner, uh, you know, and, and obviously my spouse could not be more different. Obviously, both very intelligent men could not be more different. And so for me, I, I feel like the gift I got was I wanted to be the kind of parent that I didn't have. And I got to see mirroring both in men and women of what not to do as a parent. And so that's a gift. I think a lot of people might see it otherwise. You know, some people, it's a glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, but for me, I see it as a tremendous gift. And I remind my boys every once in a while, I'll say to them, gosh, you're so lucky. You have such a wonderful father. You know, you have a dad that's interested in you and is supportive and kind and loving and is a great example of how a man is supposed to be. And of course they don't get it. You know, they're still, you know, they're young enough. They don't get it, but one day they will. Um, and, and so that's the gift. And I, I'm also, I'm not a Pollyanna, but I am a positive person. And I do believe that we manifest into our lives, um, you know, whatever we would ultimately, whatever we desire. But if, if I'm worried and if I'm scarcity mindset, and if I'm, um, you know, abiding and embracing limiting beliefs, I won't be the best person I can be. So for, for me, it just isn't something I even consider. Like I, I just don't even let my mind go there. I'm always thinking like, how do I get from point A to point B? And how do I do that and do it in a respectful, loving way and do it with integrity? So, mm. you know, there are so many amazing things you said. We could go down so many roads right now, <laughs> but I love, I, I love the strength and the clarity and how mm -hmm. strategic you've been. And this is, this is a conscious process. Mm -hmm. And I think so, so often we're just strolling along and we don't realize, but in, in not being really aware of what's going mm -hmm. on, we're sort of, you know, flowing down that stream to somewhere we absolutely don't want to go. But mm -hmm. it's in being very aware of, is this working for me? Is this representing who mm -hmm. I want to be or who I want to be with? And if the answer is no, it takes mm -hmm. a very conscious awareness to mm -hmm. say, okay, well, that person is very similar, so I'm running for the hills. That's not mm -hmm. the least bit of what I'm looking for. But it's also, yeah, th this, this conscious awareness is so clear in this mm -hmm. clarity. And also the clarity to say, you know, I'm doing this because I'm raising my kids and I, I, mm -hmm. I can't make that change right now, but it doesn't feel right. 
enough to say, okay, let me venture into now when I do have the opportunity, what does, even if it's scary, even if it's Mm -hmm. unfamiliar. So bring us to the point now where, because any entrepreneur listening knows that move, you know, it's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's enough of a move to say, you know what? Uh, No, it's just too big. I don't want to do it. Let Mm -hmm. me have the safety of let's say my nine to five, and then you get let go or something. And which I look at as a blessing because you never yes. would have started your venture otherwise. Mm-hmm. So bring us to that time. I want to know the mindset because I am just investigating your mind. Tell us the <laughs> mindset of when you, so now that period of time was up and it was time to become an entrepreneur. What were you thinking? What was going on? What made you say, you know, like here's the fear, you know, on one hand, and then here's the unknown and saying, you know, yes, this fear may be here and there's certainly a lot of unknown, but this is, this is my time and I'm doing it now. Tell it, walk us through that. Yeah. Well, uh, so this would have been 2016 and I recall telling my husband, I woke up one morning and I said, I'm done. And of course I'm married to an engineer. I'm married to a very financially conscientious, uh, minimalist engineer. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I, I'm tired of writing prescriptions. And that was, I just woke up one day and I just said, I'm, I, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way for individuals to be able to, for me to be able to impact more people than what I'm doing. And I just don't think just writing prescriptions is the way I want to go. Because, you know, unfortunately we, as many people know, we've conditioned many, many people that a pill is going to solve a symptom and that we're really not digging really deep. And that's not the traditional Western medicine way. And I want to be very clear. I respect, revere, appreciate you know, what my um, fellow colleagues are doing. I'm, I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying the system is broken. And so for me, I got very frustrated that I would see someone who was younger than me, that was diabetic, uh, that was obese, that was you know having sleep apnea, fatty liver, all these things that are are oftentimes lifestyle mediated, and I didn't have the structure in place within uh, where I work to be able to support them the way that I wanted to beyond just writing prescriptions. And, and, so and that- even before you go any further, here right there, that moment is the exact time where someone would start medicating and taking something yeah. because these are uncomfortable feelings to face. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to say, well, you know, I, I, I want to do something different, but, and I don't like this feeling, where's the pill? You know, that would yeah. be a great time yeah. to do it. And Absolutely. it's, it's, that's, we go for that, the, the food, the drugs, the alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, or we actually face it, which, so, so you realized you weren't happy and it sounds like you were, you just started facing everything. So what, what, what were you met with? when you did? Oh, well, it was the, uh, I, I think the irony was, so that was February and, and the, the nurse practitioner who oversaw all of us, we were, I was part of a very large practice. She had honest to God had just fallen and had a major injury. And I had to call her cause I knew I wanted, I wanted to be done by April 1st. And here she is, she's recovering from this horrible injury. And I called her out of concern for her injury, but also I was like, I need to, I, I need to share something with you. And the first thing she said was, I knew this day would come. I knew that you were going to grow beyond where, where you were um, in this role. Because they, they had done so much for me. I mean, they had given me every crazy schedule I wanted. They had reduced my hours. They were trying to keep me. What can we do to keep you? And I finally just said, it's not, it's really, generally, it's not you, it's me. Like, I need to do something different. 
And so I gave my notice and uh, I remember saying to my husband, I mean, every day I went to work, I cried because I loved the people I worked with. I, mm. I had some really good friends. I'd been with this practice for 12 years. Um, one of them in particular, a male physician, I'd gotten to know he and his family and his wife and they were wonderful. And every day I worked with him, I cried. And this mm. is so, if anyone that hears me, they know I am not a crier. I cried. I mean, the nurses were like, are you okay? I'm like, no, but I'm going to work through this. <laughs> and um, what it really demonstrated for me was that it was this incredibly growthful period. I was mourning the loss of this role because I knew I would never be in that role again. I would always be a nurse practitioner. I may not be working in the way that I had been before. And so I left that job and honest to God, I think I woke up the first day and I was like, gosh, I have all this flexibility. Like I'm not used to this. I'm used to being in a hospital, in scrubs, running around, dealing with emergencies. And all of a sudden, you know, for the first couple months, I kind of floated and I was kind of you know, observing what types of people were attracted to me and my business role. And I remember my very first uh, client, um, she didn't know that. And of course I was, mm -hmm. did, you know, went above and beyond to serve her every need uh, because I really wanted her to be happy. But I think probably six months in is when I realized that I needed, I didn't have the training that I needed to be successful and I had to invest in myself. So from a very early stage, I realized I needed a business coach. I had a very good one who um, I was with for a little over a year, but really shoved me to do some things. I was like, I can't write a program. And she was like, yes, you can. And so, you know, by the you know skin of my teeth, I was literally creating things on the fly. And, you know, that kind of evolved into, you know, having a different business coach going to, um, you know, retreats. And, and, and here's the big thing is you've got to invest in yourself. It is so critical. I know sometimes people get that scarcity mindset. Oh my God, I'm going to spend all this money. No, no, you're investing in yourself. You're ultimately going to make a better entrepreneur if you're doing that on a consistent basis and being strategic about it, because there are always people that will get you to spend your money on things you may not need. Uh, and so I, I, that was that's how it initially started. But um, I, I laugh at how <laughs> how much easier things were back then, but I didn't realize it. But now it's like I, I really have a business, and so it's kind of like it's a machine that kind of you know plows itself forward. But I just recall being you know I think my parents were stunned. Uh, they were like, why would you leave a six-figure job to go do something where you're not being paid? And I, I can see where they were coming from. But I was like, ultimately, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I am not an employee. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want anyone telling me how to work, how to do my job. I'm like, those days are done. And so, you know, that kind of feisty um, sense of myself, there was no question I was going to be successful. I mean, there was, there was never, I never woke up in the middle of the night fearing that I wouldn't be a success. I, I knew that I would be. And so again, it goes back to that, the mindset piece where I was like, this is what's going to happen. This is the way, the direction we're going in. And for anyone that, that knows me or doesn't know me, I, I'm a huge introvert. So for me to get on video and be on social media and talking about things, I always, you know, and, and some of these people were surprised here. I was an introvert and I would say, well, when I'm in education mode, that's a part of being a nurse practitioner. That's integral to who we are. So I'm always educating. And if I think about it from that perspective, it doesn't seem quite so scary. Uh, and so just always kind of setting things to, you know, to help. It's always, it's always about helping others. It's always being of service. And, um, you know, and that's such an important piece because when we're nervous, when we start to give, it's, then it's off of us and onto someone else. That confidence comes from just diving in and doing mm -hmm. it. When we just let the fear overtake us, it stays and it grows. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about it, that's, there's, there was this, it sounds like this tremendous confidence and it just came from, it sounds like from what you're saying, taking things on. 
taking mm-hmm. on these challenges, overcoming the limiting beliefs. You know, yeah. there's two things. You mentioned um, having that phone call that day, and there were so many people listening who they have to have these challenging, these these you know these, these uncomfortable conversations, and uh, it's it's just they they know they're about to face something. Was there something you did before you made the call? Did you work yourself up in any way? Did you did no. you rehearse it in your head? Did you do anything? No, I didn't. I think I just spoke from the heart, and it was the same way. When I spoke to this nurse practitioner, I spoke from my heart. And when she said to me, I knew this day was coming, she then understood where I was coming from. I said, Mm -hmm. I I love being a nurse practitioner. It's not about that. It's that I can't be as impactful as I desire to be by doing this. And, And I'm so grateful that I that I took that leap of faith, another, you know, big leap of faith, because I've grown into the person that I I've always been meant to be. And so, you know, being an introvert and whether people realize this or not, if you're an introvert, medicine's a great place to be because you have so much control over things that go on. Um, You know, you can decide how extroverted or introverted you want to be. You're telling people what to do. You know, this is the plan. This is the prescription. This is when you're coming back. These are the things to report. Uh, But I've been forced to grow in ways that are really interesting, you know, to Imagine I, I've got to go, I've got to sell someone on, you know, every time I have a discovery call, getting on with people and, you know, it, it's more about, you know, selling the outcome, but, you know, having to communicate effectively. Um, I now have a team underneath me that I love and, and I think of as family and, you know, helping to run a business and to be, and to treat people the way that, that I had always wanted to be treated as an employee making sure that I'm doing that and being, uh, you know, it's, it's an all women team. I always say it's team estrogen, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's worked out really well. So, so I think that, you know, for me, uh, I think, you know, my life could have turned out very differently, but I am all, I was always about doing something a little different, doing it on my terms, uh, you know, still being a good human, you know, it's all about, you know, running a business with integrity, but also being honest with myself. I mean, it's, it would have been much easier to stay in my nurse practitioner job and be miserable because that's, I was just not happy with it, but I, I couldn't, because I lead with integrity. Every time I went to work, I was like, okay, I'm at work and I'm going to toe the party line because that is what I am paid to do. But inside I'm screaming because I'm looking at this patient saying, I could help you so much more if we could get you to sleep better and lose some weight and, you know, eat less junk and all these other things. But I can't do that because I'm constrained in this role. And so, uh, you know, it's that feisty little kid that keeps coming out. I always think about that seven-year-old, you know, that's, that's ultimately, you know, she's still in there and she's the one that says to me, don't be afraid and don't fear. You know, I don't, I don't fear. There's not a whole lot of fear after last year. (laughs) There's not a whole lot. I always say that it's, it's amazing how, if you have a you know, a major crisis in your life, then, you know, you, you can sink or swim and I'd rather swim. So. And you are speaking to a community that has been through crisis for sure. And I, I love that you mentioned the idea of grieving mm-hmm. uh, the change in the relationship. You know, we think we just grieve when, when we lose someone we love, but it's, it's a change, any major yeah. change. There's yeah. a grieving process. And it's so wonderful because as you're going through this grieving, you are making sense out of it. You're making meaning out of it. And it sort of lays the groundwork for your next, mm-hmm. you know, for your next stage and what you're ready for next. So what's the, the most important mindset strategy that, that you've learned? Mm. Um, I think reflection and I think, you know, brutal honesty with yourself. I, um, 
I have an ability to look objectively at myself and sometimes it's not pretty. Like I can objectively say, Hey, I didn't, that was not, I didn't, I didn't put a good plan in motion or I didn't think through that thoroughly, or I didn't realize the impact. And I, I always say self-reflection, self-evolution is really critical. And I think it differentiates us from people that want to fly at 30,000 feet. You know, they, they don't want to see the truth or they don't want to um, be honest with themselves or with their loved ones. And so I've always been able to do that. It sometimes pisses people off, frankly, but uh, again, it's that internal kind of integrity. Like I'm driven by a desire to try to live authentically and, and to live honestly. And, and so I think for me, that would probably be it. Even when um, I, I had that, that hospitalization last year after I wasn't quite so sick and I could think again, I remember, you know, having a day where I was looking out the window and it was snowing and, you know, just really thinking about like, how do I want to get through this? Like, let's be honest, it can go one of two ways. How do you want to get through this? And I was like, there are two things that need to happen. And that's what I'm going to focus on. That's going to get me through this because, um, you know, all of us go through things, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, psychological pain, et cetera. And so it's that mindset shift for me that has made all the difference. Like just acknowledging like, okay, let's reflect on what's going on. Let's, and I'm also very left brain. So it's like, let's, what's the plan? Like, what do I need to focus on? Step one, you know? And, and if I focus that way, then I can digest everything I need to go through. Um, literally. It's, yeah. It's, it's a great way to do it. And I, I just want to clarify because you mentioned brutal honesty, but I think there's mm -hmm. a big difference and I'm sure you'd agree with this between the brutal honesty and the criticism. It's yes. not that you're uh, being honest in a way that you're just looking to criticize yourself. Right. You're looking as a way to improve. Like I was brutally honest, even with you, as we started this podcast, I, everybody, I was supposed to be on Cynthia's podcast and I totally <laughs> botched up the time <laughs> and I thought it was, you know, West coast time and it was Eastern. And, and so of course I was totally honest with myself about that, saying some choice words to myself, but it wasn't <laughs> to criticize. It was just to be honest. Like I need to show up a little differently so I don't do stuff like that again. And, and that's what, I think that's what really makes us stronger, mm -hmm. wiser, better. We learn from our mistakes. So what do you want to make sure everyone learns and everyone knows as we wrap up? Mm. Well, I think, you know, part of being a woman is that we are these incredibly intuitive beings. And it, I think it's absolutely critical that we are, we are honest and forthright about what type of life we want to create for ourselves. I, I feel like many women start off on one path and, and they let that define them. And I would be the first person to say that, you know, we easily can embrace limiting beliefs, but it's so important for us to understand that we can always make changes, even if they're small changes that ultimately will have a large impact and having faith in the process, because sometimes things are really hard to make us ready for what's to come. And I, I truly believe, you know, the universe takes and the universe gives and, uh, my life has really lived that way, has played out that way. Um, a good friend of mine that I've been friends with since six years old, which has been a long time. She, mm. Now that we're, we're, you know, in our, in our forties, she always says, don't, don't share with everyone how long we've known each other. Mm. And we were talking one day and she said, you know, we went to the same schools. We had very similar, you know, lifestyles. She's like, you know, look at where you are. And she said, it could have been so much different. And I said, yes. And so uh, for anyone that's listening, you can always change your path, um, you know, reflecting on what's going on, you know, finding the resources. I'm also a gigantic nerd. So I have 
hundreds and thousands of books in my house. So I'm always learning, you know, being a lifelong learner, you can always learn something new. You can always make a change. There's always going to be a resource available, you know, finding a tribe of like-minded individuals, finding people that make you feel good. Uh, I always say my girlfriends have made all the difference in my life. And for that, I'm very grateful. You know, you're, we're lucky if we get, you know, a couple of really good friends and I've had many throughout my lifetime. So I would just leave it with that, that there's, there's always room to change, evolve, shift and, and change in our lives. And, and just to have the faith that it, things will work out the way that they ultimately should. Yeah. That or better, that or something better. How do, where do we go to learn more about you? Yeah. Um, so I'm all over social media, but I would say best place is probably my website, www.cynthiatherlow.com. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I have a, uh, it's a, it's open to everyone, but there's a private Facebook group called intermittent fasting lifestyle backslash my name. Um, and I'm just starting to grow my YouTube channel. So check me out there. Very exciting. Cynthia, I want to thank you so much. You just you. shared so much wisdom and insight and, um, we can strengthen and change. And th there's just so much to, uh, to dive into here. I know you helped so many people with what you shared today. Thank you. Have a great day. There were so many things I loved about this conversation, and Cynthia is such a powerful example of someone who lives her life and leads with integrity, heart, strength, and clarity. Stay in touch with Cynthia by going to CynthiaThurlow.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Being brutally honest with yourself isn't the same thing as berating ourselves or negatively putting ourselves down. It's a powerful way of deconstructing our thoughts, behaviors, and actions so that we can learn from them. By being honest with ourselves, we can learn the drivers behind why we think the way we think and why we do what we do. And it's only from that space can we clearly see and make changes from there. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, and emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough. Music.